Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. I'm Andrew Kahn. And I'm Aaron McMahon. Michigan reclaimed the Paul Bunyan Trophy by beating Michigan State on Saturday night. What happened in the minutes after the game is what will be remembered more. We discuss both the game and the aftermath coming up on Wolverine Confidential. Hey, Aaron, good to be talking with you here Sunday night, October 30th. Listeners uh, getting this uh, on Monday morning. It was quite the night at Michigan Stadium, Michigan, Michigan State, 115th time in this rivalry, and Michigan wins the game 29 to 7. But again, as I mentioned in the intro, what happened afterwards was really the bigger story. We're going to go chronologically here and just start with the game itself. What did you make of Michigan's performance? Because 29 to 7 is a, I mean, a the three touchdown victory uh, it was kind of right, right on the the point spread as far as you know Michigan expecting to win this game pretty handily, and they they did. It obviously could have been a lot more. Uh, so yeah, overall thoughts on on how the Wolverines played. Well, I mean, if you're Michigan, I I think you're torn, right? Like you're happy you got the win. It was obviously the end, the end all be all goal here is to yep. go into the a rivalry game and pick up a W. And they did. I mean, they lost the last couple of years. They they heard all the sma- the the smack talk. They knew kind of everything that was weighing on them. And, and in a way, it kind of I think it fueled their last couple of weeks. I, I really they seem like a you know determined team, like they were ready to come in and kind of bludgeon the Spartans. And as I wrote after the game Saturday night, they just couldn't do it. I mean, they they played well enough to win the game. And I think you saw a stark difference in talent on both sides of the, on both teams. Mm-hmm. But Michigan just couldn't, I think, in a way, put them away. Yep. Like it, it almost seemed like Michigan State was always hanging around. They always had an opportunity to kind of get back in the game. And while they didn't, um, you know, and Michigan tried putting their foot on the gas at the end. And again, they just couldn't do it. Um, I, I think the score, the final score, wasn't indicative of how lopsided it really was. I mean, twenty-nine to seven. I thought, you know, Michigan probably could have put more points on the board. It could have been a blowout. The margin could have been bigger earlier. Yep. Um, cause it, they really struggled in the red zone. I think that was my biggest takeaway from, from Saturday was, you know, they would get, again, this, and this isn't the first time we've seen, we've seen these issues and them get into the opponent red zone and stall and, and be forced to kick field goals instead of touchdowns. And while it's fine right now, when you're playing, you know, less than quality talent or less than quality opponents, um, you, you wonder what that's going to look like later in the year against whether it's in Illinois or in Ohio state or, you know, whatever the case may be. So, Red zone issues remain uh, a problem. 
the players acknowledged as much after the game Saturday, you know, among all the the hoopla and the tunnel drama and everything else, you know, Blake Gorm spelled it out pretty, pretty accurately. He's like, we need to do better in the red zone. That's something we're going to work on. Um, we need to score more points because they, they thought they, you know, they, they thought it could have been a blowout. They wanted to blow Michigan State out and it just didn't end up that way. So, yeah, uh, you know, that Michigan fumbles on, on its first, uh, offensive possession. And then on the next, uh, uh, seven scores, um, but five five of those being field goals, um, and you know that that second touchdown not coming until until the fourth quarter. So I definitely see what you're saying is that you know Michigan State was always kind of there to potentially steal the game, but I also never I felt like Michigan knew they never really would, and almost the play calling kind of reflected that at a certain point of the game they're like you know what. I know we're only kicking field goals, but that's probably going to be enough. This Michigan State team just doesn't seem like they're they're going to be able to to do it offensively, and and they couldn't. Um, so that's fine. There's a lot of different ways to win a game, but this is the second week now in a row, Aaron, that we've said this same thing on on this podcast on our recap episode. Is that the score isn't indicative of how Michigan played? They should have won by more. Like at some point, that becomes who you are. Uh, you're you're not you're not getting it done in the red zone you're you're too often you're you're settling for field goals um right i mean two weeks in a row now yeah i mean they entered saturday's game uh converting red zone drives into touchdowns at a 66 percent clip mm-hmm. that ranked about 45th around between 45 and i think 50 nationally so that's not a great number i mean it's not awful but it's not elite and i think you've got to be better in, in that department if you know, when it comes to those close games, I mean, you want and you need to scrap and claw for as many points as you, you can get. Now, as I mentioned, it doesn't really matter in a lot of these games where they're just out being in their opponents and they just have the better talent and the better game plan. But um, you, you start to wonder if it's going to eventually affect them. It, it hasn't yet. Uh, I, I, I assume it's going to at some point. So they've really got to get that figured out. I, I think that's kind of the should be the priority in practice the next couple of weeks. I don't think it's really going to matter with their next opponent, opponent Rutgers, um, but it's certainly an area where they, I think they can certainly improve. So uh, to me, that's kind of their biggest flaw at this point. I mean, defensively, they had a little bit of trouble with, with Michigan State's passing game. Uh, again, it goes back to a couple of years ago when Michigan State beat Michigan over the top. They tried doing it again Saturday. They came out throwing the ball and unafraid of throwing the ball. Uh, they hit Keon Coleman. Um, the Michigan State basketball player and football player, basically their number two option. They targeted him early and targeted him early and often to to much success. I mean, he had over 100 yards receiving in the first half. I think it was four or five catches. Uh, he had a touchdown. Um, you know, they had trouble. They had trouble with him early. Now, Michigan's defense, as we've kind of seen all season long, adjusted well. I mean, they came out. Um, you know, the first half, Michigan Michigan total, I think 180 some total yards. Second half, I mean, Michigan State was held at negative one yards in the third quarter. So Michigan defensively adjusted very well. And they didn't really do it through a ton of pressure. Um, and they only they only registered two sacks and, and seven TFLs in the game. So it wasn't it wasn't like they were blasting Peyton Thorne, but um, they really made things difficult in Michigan State Michigan State's offense to operate. They struggled running the game running the ball all game long, um, and then the, the, the holes were kind of closed up in the passing game. So Michigan secondary, I thought, really adjusted really well. Coaching staff deserves a lot of credit. I mean, it's something we saw a lot last year under Mike McDowell, and we're starting to see it now under Jesse Mentor. Just the adjustments, the recognition of what opponents are doing, 
and having an answer for it. And and they did. I thought they did that rather admirably uh, Saturday against the Spartans. Yeah, that's also becoming a trend is just how Michigan plays in the second half relative to its opponent. I don't have the number in front of me, but it's it's pretty stark. The point differential between you know Michigan and, and the opponents in the second half, even more, you know, way more so than the first half. Yeah, the red zone offense thing is strange to me. I, I guess I'm not I'm not certain that I, I don't know exactly what correlates to a good red zone offense, like what you need if there are certain things. I'm not sure anyone really has quantified this, but I guess I've seen enough football to kind of know what some of the things, if you don't have, can hurt you. And Michigan has those things. Like they have a good running game, you know, including, you know, Quorum that can do it in short yardage. They've got a good running quarterback, which opens up things when the when the field, I mean the field shrinks vertically, of course. That's the whole difference. And the, the red zone, you don't have to worry about guys getting behind you over the top because there's just no more field back there. Uh I, I guess they don't have that true like one-on-one go up and get it wide receiver. I mean, but Ronnie Bell is 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 good enough at that. Um almost nearly hauled in, you know, a, a real acrobatic catch down the sideline um in this game, um overturned and then ruled incomplete. But yeah, so I, I don't know. It's kind of a it's kind of a mystery. I wonder if it is to 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 Michigan as well. Cause when you hear, you know, Corm and McCarthy say we're gonna work and we're gonna get better at it and you know we're gonna fix this. I wonder exactly how they'll go about doing that. Yeah, it's a good question. You kind of hit on all the points. I mean, Michigan prides itself on its run game, its beefy offensive line and, and the power they play with. And when you get inside the opponent 10 and you're up against the goal line, you know, ideally you want to get it, do it through the ground because I feel like there's more, you have a more, there are better, more opportunities for you to turn the ball over through the air with let when the, when the field is shrunk um, than it is on the ground. And, and you would think Michigan would rely more on, on the run game. Um, and they have, but it, it almost seems like opponents, they know what's coming and they've done a very good job of adjusting. Um, you know, Michigan's by and large this year's like to play, they have liked to play in the passing game, um, you know, vertically and I'm sorry, horizontally instead of vertically, you mentioned they don't really have that downfield threat that they've, you know, they've tried in the past. Um, they tried with JJ McCarthy hasn't, they haven't really found it just yet. I mean, Ronnie Bell, like you said, is kind of their top option in that regard. Um, but they don't have a guy who can go up and get the ball. So I, I think that hurts in some regard. And then obviously opponents are keying in on Ronnie, Ronnie Bell. They know he's the number one yeah. option. They know that he's going to be the guy. So, yeah, it's a good question. It's something I don't know if Michigan necessarily has the answer to. I mean, maybe behind the scenes they do. I mean, obviously they're reviewing tape and everything else. Uh, but it, it's an area they got to get figured out because they've got to be more consistent. They've got to punch it in more. I mean, you know, if you're, I think, a co- and it's a good, probably a good question for the coaching staff. But I would yeah. bet when I'm looking at the numbers, that they would probably want to fin, you know, finish somewhere in the, you know, the set, you know, the 70, 75, 80% range in terms of when converting red zone drives into touchdowns as opposed to the, you know, the closer to the 60% they're landing now. Yeah. I mean, you know, some of their drives, like they had a 54 yard field goal on this game. So they, they weren't even, you know, they weren't in the red zone <laughs> when that one ended. Um, and same with another one, they were, they were just outside it, but, um, you know, the, the other three, they were, they were right there. They were inside the 10 and two of them, you know, the drives ended at the five and the seven yard line and another one at the 15. So they, those are the ones that really hurt yes. like when you're inside the opponent 10, it, it almost feels like it's, you need to get inside the end zone. There's mm-hmm. no reason why you shouldn't and again, with Michigan's offensive line and the run game, um, you know, it's, it's, it's an area where they need to improve. And I think maybe this, maybe we're seeing where Michigan is struggling, having that kind of that um, power back. And I, I know they're trying to, trying to make Blake Corum that guy, um, but they don't really have that, that Hassan Haskins type of guy who can fall forward and get a couple extra yards and it can deal with the, you know, the, the bunch line of scrimmage. 
Um, you know, Blake and Donovan are kind of similar backs and that they, they need, they need gaps. Uh, they need time to operate and move. And when you're in a, sh- a shrink, a shrunk field, um, it's a little bit more difficult to do that. All right. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to make this too, too negative. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, Michigan had 443 yards to Michigan State's 252. Like the special teams is part of, part of the game. It's a phase of the game. Your kicker is, is an important, uh, player on the roster and Michigan's got a good one in Jake Moody he was, you know, arguably one of the, the MVPs of this game, uh, for Michigan goes five for five. Uh, you know, JJ McCarthy said just what a, what a blessing to have him uh, on the team. And, yeah, Michigan. Michigan gets Paul Bunyan back after you know that was the talk for weeks now about how how much they wanted it and missed missed him. Uh, you know, after losing the last two years, so um, you know Michigan stays. You know, uh, as we discussed going in, you can lose this game and you know still control your own destiny. But they're in. Uh, they're they they remain undefeated. Um, and it's you know it's a huge win to to it's one of, one of their goals was beating Michigan State, and they have now achieved that goal. Yeah, that's exactly what I was just going to say. That coming into the year, they had this checklist of goals they wanted to hit. Number one was beat Michigan State. I mean, they hadn't done it in a couple of years. I think it was the one, I guess, regret blemish on their record last year. I mean, obviously, the the loss of George is one thing, but you know they had such a fantastic season last year. They did almost everything right. They beat Ohio State. They got to the Big Ten, and yet they couldn't beat Michigan State. There was it was that one like hanging thing there that that just it killed them. Um, so I, they knew that coming in, uh, it was, I think, uh, they seemed like a more determined team this year. Uh, you know, I don't want to say they took Michigan state lightly in years past, but they, I think realized coming into this year that if they played, um, you know, with any, any remote sense of looking past Michigan state, there, there's a possibility of another upset and they didn't want that to happen. You know, it didn't really feel like that was, that was in play on Saturday. Michigan state hung around there in the first half. Um, but I think by the, you know, the end of it, Michigan clearly had the, the better players and they, they, they just outplayed this part. So then we're, uh, arrive at the post game press conference, uh, in, uh, for Michigan and, and, and Jim Harbaugh and players. And, you know, we're, we're then getting messages from, you know, Kyle Austin and, and Matt Wenzel, our, our Michigan state writers, you know, about what's, what's going down in the, in the tunnel, you know, immediately after the game. And I, I don't know how you feel. I'll, I'll speak for myself. I, I don't really feel comfortable being like a moral arbiter of, okay, what, what, who's right, who's wrong here. Um, I don't really feel like that's my job as like a sports writer or maybe a journalist in general. It's like to present what happened. And, and that's fine. I'm not knocking those who are going to, you know, write columns and, and, you know, point fingers and, and, and assign blame and things like that. That's okay. Cause there's, there's plenty to go around here, but let's, let's just kind of break down what happened. And that is that two Michigan players were, you know, to use Jim Harbaugh's word assaulted, uh, the, uh, university of Michigan police and others will determine whether, you know, that's how they see it from a criminal standpoint. Um, but the videos we've seen, uh, are, are not good. They're pretty, it's really disturbing to me in some cases to see what was happening. Um, and that was, uh, you know, Jaden McBurrow's getting, you know, kind of ganged up on by, you know, close to 10, maybe Spartans at, at one time. Um, and then another video that, you know, we saw today, you know, Jamon green is the, is, is the victim, um, appears to get his head hit with a helmet. So I don't know. And what was your kind of take on all of it, Aaron? And, you know, hearing Jim Harbaugh in the press conference and Ward Manuel there as well to kind of, uh, you know, describe in real time what, you know, what was going on. 
Yeah, I mean, really, it was a, it was a damper on kind of the evening. I mean, mm-hmm. Michigan had just again we just talked about the game. They they'd won, they'd won squarely, and there was no, you know, no questionable call, nothing to really argue about. And then they kind of go up the tunnel, and this this happens all kind of right after the game ends. Um, I don't know. In this day and age, I I, I have a hard hard time saying I'm I'm surprised by anything anymore, just because of everything that's happened and. I mean, there was just this tunnel spat with Penn State a couple of weeks ago while no punches were thrown or anything happened. Um, you know, tensions were high there. Uh, so g- given the way that the last couple of years have gone in this rivalry and just how I think how increased the the, the tension has become, um, I guess it didn't shock me. At the same time, uh, it's really an unfortunate situation. I mean, this is a football game. This isn't like, and I know I don't come off like a, the moral high horse guy here, but like, it's not the end of the world. I mean, it's a football game. The game was decided. It wasn't close. Um, it, it's, I don't know. It it just seems like it, it didn't need to happen. I mean, it was one of those things where, you know, Jamon Green and, and Jay McBurls were kind of in the wrong place at the wrong time. You know, they're, most of their team had been were still out in the field celebrating. They had the trophy out there. Uh, Michigan State had started, re, you know, returning to the uh, their locker room up the tunnel. Somehow those two ended up there. I don't know if they just prematurely went up there thinking the team was going or i don't know what happened mm-hmm. they still haven't gotten their side of the story um and then you see these videos come out so it's yeah i'm with you real disturbing um you know it's it's unfortunate uh we're waiting on the uh Ann Arbor, excuse me the university of michigan police department to uh to, to finalize their investigation we've been told one is open um i think they're reviewing all surveillance film and all the the, the, the video that was captured because there were several angles from di- many different people uh, on the, in the tunnel. So we're kind of waiting on that from now, from here on out. Um, and I suspect once a, a decision is made from the police standpoint, um, then the big 10 will probably act. I suspect that suspensions will be coming down, um, probably lengthy ones. Uh, but yeah, this is something we haven't really seen. I, I can't think of a situation like this, at least with regards to the big 10, um, happening, you know, any, anytime recently, it's, it's, it's an interesting predicament. Um, interestingly enough, or perhaps ironically, you know, Big Ten Commissioner Kevin Warren was at the game Saturday mm-hmm. night. His, his son plays for Michigan State. Um, this is a big rivalry in the conference, so it, it makes sense he would be in attendance for it. Um, so he actually had a firsthand conversation with the police department. Uh, and Mi- Michigan State Athletic Director Alan Haller was, Haller was there as well. Um, so, yeah, I'm really curious the decision that was, was hand, that is going to be handed down. Nonetheless, uh, Jim Harbaugh and, and athletic director Ward Manuel were not happy about the situation afterward. Jim was very, um, he seemed a little uh, upset about the whole situation. Yeah. Uh, he, you know, at one point he, he basically snapped at a reporter. Um, so you could tell tensions were high. Uh, and it goes back to my original point. It kind of put a damper on, on what was supposed to be a, celebra- a celebratory uh, evening for Michigan. Um, so now we kind of wait uh, to see what decisions are made from the legal perspective and then the conference. And then uh, and we'll go from there. You know, um, Jim hinted that one of the players that was quote unquote assaulted, and I say that with quotes because that is a legal term. Yeah. Um, we'll let the police decide whether that was the case or not. Um, but uh, he said one of them may have a broken nose. So we'll see if that was, that's actually did happen. Um, nonetheless, those videos were, um, I mean, and they're all up on social media. Anyone who can go watch them, they can. Uh, th- real disturbing, unfortunate. You never want to see a, a sporting event in that way, or you never want to see any event in that way. Uh, just it doesn't happen it doesn't exactly happen. like the r- rivalries you know they make they make college sports fun i mean it's what you know kind of is a separator between them and the, and and the pros i think not that there's not in pros but there's some about that allegiance to your school and the colors and all that 
And and it's fine if it's, I guess people, reasonable minds can disagree on this, but I'm okay if it's not always all in good fun and it gets a little nasty. I mean, I guess I'd prefer it not, but you know, we, we saw it, we saw it, we were, we were there at Spartan stadium when, uh, you know, Devin Bush was scuffing up the, um, you know, Spartan logo at midfield with his cleats. Um, you know, the, if you go back further and, you know, Mike Hart's little brother comments and anything Mark D'Antonio has said over the years and kind of continues to say is, is, is fine in my book. This, this, I think, I think reasonable minds can't really disagree on this one. This crossed a line like this. This was a a step to step two or five removed from those those incidents. Those were, you know, those are those are milestones in this rivalry that people can kind of smile about. Like no one's ever really going to be. Ah, oh, remember that time that they jumped the mission? Like that's just not going to be how this is ever remembered. So, uh, and I'm with you. It does. It, it, it is too bad. I mean, we had like a nice moment in the press box. You know, a, a couple of women were inducted into the you know Michigan press box Hall of Fame up there, and uh, and then you know obviously that was only for for us media to see. But then the game itself, you know, for Michigan fans was was an important one. Um, and you know nothing's gonna nothing's gonna take that win away um, from them. But it was it was unfortunate. Um, you know, and it, it did remind me to a certain extent of. You know, I was there in, in, in Madison, Wisconsin this past winter when, you know, there was an incident immediately after the game, of course, with, you know, Jawan Howard and, um, you know, Greg Card and, and, you know, players on both sides that this is, this is obviously this, this is different. Um, that one, first of all, the entire thing played out, you know, publicly uh, as far as there was nothing or not publicly is not the right word, but there, there was, it was all there, all captured on camera for, for all to see. There was no moments in between where like, ah, oh, we don't really know what was done there. You know, there, there is in this case, you know, what was, what exactly happened in the moments before the, the camera started rolling, you know, we, we don't know, but you know, I'm sure there, there are eyewitnesses and, and they will be, uh, you know, part of this investigation. So, um, yes, it will be interesting to see, um, you know, what, what comes of this and, uh, you know, what Jim Harbaugh has to, to say, uh, additionally on it when we meet with him Monday afternoon. Yeah, ex exactly. And you mentioned it, you know, you hit on it. Like this game is was supposed to be for, you know, for Michigan fans to finally get the win over Michigan State and that two-game losing skid and, you know, improve their, their unbeaten record. And and look, they, they accomplished all that. But I think for a, for a while now, this game is going to be remembered for what happened afterwards. And it's, it's it's just unfortunate. You know, words words are one thing. Trash talk is one thing. Um, right. But to take it up a notch and, and you know, resort to, to violence – uh, no matter who's who's involved, Michigan, Michigan State, I'd, I'd be I can promise you, I'd be saying the same thing if if the uh, the shoes were were turned. Yeah. Down. But uh, just I don't know, just a, a a sour a sour ending to what could should have been a a great night for Michigan and Mi Michigan fans. It was uh, just yeah odd situation. I've I've been around a lot of pro sports teams. I've covered a lot of teams, pro and college, and I I can't say I've ever seen. Or at least been involved or covered anything like that uh, Saturday night. Uh, so now Michigan will will move on. They will. Uh, I mean, Harbaugh himself said it. Even as he was as emotional as he was at, at points during his press conference, you know, on on to Rutgers. So that's who Michigan will play in another night game uh, on the road in New Jersey uh, next Saturday night. You know, Rutgers is, is kind of reeling right now. They've got just the the one Big Ten win. 
you know, they, they, they don't really have a quarterback at this point or any offense to speak of. Um, so I would think it'd be somewhere in between what we saw in those years where Michigan was just winning by 50 plus points and the last two years where they were actually competitive games. But, you know, again, we'll, we'll cover that as, as we get closer. Um, but yeah, Michigan gets, gets one, one step closer to, um, you know, their, their future goals, as we mentioned of, of, you know, winning the, winning the big 10 and beyond. So, uh, we will have continued coverage of uh, the aftermath of that Michigan-Michigan State game and and leading up to this next Michigan game uh, against Rutgers coming up on future episodes and on MLive.com slash Wolverines. Thanks for listening.